Good morning. The title of this morning's message is Grace, Gratitude, and Thanksgiving. Today I want to talk to you about grace, gratitude, and thanksgiving, and how one of these can facilitate the production of the others. With the day of Thanksgiving quickly approaching, it is easy to begin to contemplate what it is that we are truly thankful for or grateful for, and our list may be truly endless. For instance, on my list, (laughs) when I think about the missionaries to Haiti and all the difficulties that they endure, I am very thankful that I do not live in Haiti. (laughs) I am very thankful that I don't have to put up with all the unrest, The power shortages, the lack of hot water. Yes, they don't even have hot water. (laughs) The language differences, and of course, probably the most important thing, the absence of air conditioning. (laughs) It is hot in Haiti. (laughs) I probably would not do physically well in Haiti. I am an air conditioning kind of girl. (laughs) And so while I'm very thankful that I don't have to live in Haiti, I'm also very thankful that our missionaries are willing to put up with all of that discomfort, (laughs) all the misery that Haiti can provide in order to bring the gospel of grace and demonstrations of God's absolutely free loving kindness to a very small and very poor nation. For those of you who might not know, Triumphant Grace Ministries helps to support Jeff and Cindy Farber of Harder the Father Ministries Haiti. And if you look them up online, you have to put Haiti in the title. (laughs) Otherwise, you won't be able to find them. (laughs) We met them through Karis Bible College. They too are graduates. And it was through Karis Bible College and God's orchestration that the Father brought them into our care. In Haiti, they work to provide a Haitian translation of Andrew Womack's The Gospel Truth program for radio transmission. They have also planned to add some of the messages from Triumphant Grace to their translation schedule for radio as well. They have been instrumental in building a school for children who are basically too poor to be able to go to school. In Haiti, if you cannot afford to buy the uniforms, your children don't get to go to school. They also financially support a feeding program for the neediest of families in their area. They are making a huge difference for the kingdom of God in Haiti. Mark and I often tease (laughs) Jeff and Cindy that we are so glad that they are the ones (laughs) that are graced to live in Haiti. Because quite frankly, we have no desire to live in that kind of hardship. (laughs) And God didn't tell us we had to. (laughs) Often when people say things like, oh, you're graced to do that. It often sounds like grace is a magic wand that suddenly makes hard things easy. And it's not. Hard things are still hard things. But our Father is able to make all grace abound unto us in the midst of all of our hard things. 
And we find this truth in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 8, which says this, God is able. And when you look at the Greek for that word, it isn't just he can if he wants to. <laughs> it's powerful and mighty. God is powerful and mighty to make all grace, all of his absolutely free loving kindness and divine enablement to abound. And not just abound, but super abound. The Apostle Paul loves the word super. He likes to add it to everything about God because God is super. He is supernatural. He is super abounding. And he says he can make all grace super abound toward me and into me. So that always having, always having, always, don't look at your checkbook, always having all sufficiency. And the word sufficiency includes the idea of enough to be content. <laughs> all this superabounding grace is enough to give me the ability to be content in all things so that I can superabound to every good work. I looked at uh, sufficiency in the Webster's 1828 dictionary and it said this, supply equal to wants. Not just needs. <laughs> supply equal to wants. God's grace has supply equal to our wants and our needs. The context of this particular scripture is about participating in the grace of giving to help others. But it also makes the point that God has superabounding grace or superabounding unmerited favor for every situation in our lives. So God's grace is absolutely free. You can't earn it, you can't work for it, and you can't be disqualified from it. His absolutely free goodness and loving kindness makes the hard things in our lives doable, attainable, and conquerable. God never said we would not face hard things or hard situations or even hard people. <laughs> Those are probably the hardest, the hard people. <laughs> but he did say in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect or fits perfectly and completely in my weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will glory in my infirmities that the power, the miracle-working resurrection power of the living Christ may rest upon me. Now, according to Webster's 1828, the word sufficient here, it means enough equal to the end proposed. I kind of like that. What do you propose the end to look like? God says, my grace is sufficient to meet what your vision says in your heart, right? He says, what well, doesn't matter. What do you propose the end of this situation, this is the end of this business, the end of this relationship, the end of this job? What do you propose that it should look like? God says there is grace, divine power, and enablement to make it look just like that. When he says my strength is made perfect, the word strength in the Greek means force. My force <laughs> is made perfect, literally or figuratively, specifically miraculous power. 
usually by implication, a miracle itself. In other words, the supernatural ability, abundance, miracles, power, strength, and mighty, wonderful working works given to us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. He says, my grace, my force gives you this kind of strength. It doesn't matter how big you think your weakness is. He says, my grace is sufficient. It is enough. It will fill it up. It will overflow. You won't even know you've got a weakness. <laughs> the word weakness in the Greek means feebleness of either body or mind. By implication, it means malady or moral frailty, disease, infirmity, sickness, and weakness. God's grace has already supplied the power to deal with every physical, mental, and emotional weakness. It is not just the ability to endure those things. It is the power to overcome those things. So the Apostle Paul says, therefore, because God's grace is so sufficient, so abundant, so super abundant, fits so well into us, <laughs> he says, because of all of that, Therefore, I will glory in my infirmities. Infirmity is the same word as weakness. It doesn't matter what my weakness, I can glory in the midst of it, <laughs> not because of it. We glorify God in the midst of hard things, not because of the hard things. <laughs> I will glory in my infirmities so that the power, the miracle-working power of Christ will rest upon me. Basically, he is saying that weaknesses are nothing in the light of God's grace. There is grace to endure when necessary, absolutely. I mean, let's face it, it's not getting any cooler in Haiti. <laughs> when you have to endure, you have to endure. <laughs> but there is grace to overcome. So his boasting is not about the hard things or the weaknesses, but his boasting is about the power of God's grace in us and for us and towards us to meet every situation we have, every weakness we have, every shortcoming we have, he has a grace that is greater than all of our insecurity and infirmity and weakness and all of that. He is saying, I will boast <laughs> in the power of Christ in me so that the miracle working power of Christ will rest upon me. I like the word picture that the words here may rest upon me. It actually paints a picture of a tent. When he is talking about the miracle working power of God resting on him, he's picturing a tent in which he lives. In other words, he lives in a place of grace, knowing that the power of God is on him all of the time. The words do not paint a picture of a house, but a picture of a tent. Why? It's movable. <laughs> it goes where we go. We have the power of Christ on us as well as in us. We are never without his grace and his power. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10, it says this, Therefore, therefore, in light of all that good stuff, I take pleasure <laughs> in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Because when I am weak, I'm actually strong. 
Basically, he's saying the hard things just remind us where our strength actually comes from. <laughs> and help and hope and all the things that we need in the midst of our hard place, they come from the indwelling presence of God himself and the fact that God is resting on us and in us. He is at rest. He's not working hard. <laughs> he is everything we need. I like this particular verse in the Passion Translation. It says this, Therefore, because of all the things I just talked about, I am not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I am surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. When we stop trying to do it in our own strength, when we stop trying to figure out the answers with our own understanding, when we stop trying to do things on our own and we let the power and presence of God manifest in us and through us. Because of God's grace and goodness, we are not limited to our own strength to get through anything. It doesn't matter what kind of a hard thing it is. God has a grace, a divine enablement, a divine empowerment for every situation. God's grace enables us to live in his grace. We can't even live in his grace without his help <laughs> and his resurrection power. It's all by grace. Grace enables us to do what we feel like we can't do. One of the things that can feel hard to do in the midst of hard things is being grateful. But just like the Apostle Paul, if we look to our answer, our solution, our power, <laughs> our favor, our grace, then gratefulness will spring up on its own. Gratitude is the fruit of receiving grace. When do we most need to see and feel God's grace? His absolutely free loving kindness? When things are hard. <laughs> when do we most appreciate seeing and feeling God's loving kindness? When things are hard. And when are we the most grateful for his grace? When things are very hard. When we're going through hard things, it can often be difficult to see and feel and believe that God is still with us, is still in us, and is still for us. And that's because the hard things demand our attention. <laughs> and then they speak very loudly lies of death and defeat. And if we let the hard things speak into our lives, even give them room to grow, <laughs> They will try to tell us that we are all alone, that we have no help available to us, and that God is not even interested in us or our lives. Satan loves to use hard things to tell us really big, fat, juicy lies about God and about ourselves. The lies he tells us about God include things like, God is not good. God is not trustworthy. God is too slow. I think he loves that one. God is too slow. God does not care. And God is not doing anything to help me. 
big lies. The lies Satan tells us about ourselves include the fact that we are victims and we are completely helpless. We are already defeated and victory will never come. So just give up, stop believing and stop trying. Satan loves to tell us that we have lost our way and we can't possibly be found again. He loves to tell us that we have no hope. You have no help. You have no peace. You have no power. You have no joy, no strength, no love, and no life. Big, fat lies. In reality, Satan wants us to believe that we are like him because he's the one with no hope, no help, no peace, no power, no joy, no strength, no love, and no life. He is the one who has been completely defeated, not us. Satan wants us to identify ourselves with his situation. How crazy is that? Here we are, born again, spirit-filled, sons of the one and only true and living God, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus at the right hand of God our Father, and we let ourselves listen to this kind of nonsense when things get hard. <laughs> that really is crazy when we look at the truth of what God in his grace has already done for us, both spiritually and physically. When we recognize God's grace, we will automatically respond with gratitude. Receiving and recognizing grace will always produce gratitude in our hearts. Six months or so ago, I was talking to the Lord about the messiness of the office space here at church. <laughs> when we moved in, we just moved in, and it was just stuff everywhere. And because I live so far away, just dropping by and doing a little here and doing a little there, that just was not going to happen. And I thought to the Lord. I didn't pray. I thought to the Lord. When will I ever have opportunity to straighten out this office space? I didn't have the answer, so I just left it in God's lap. You know, sometimes you just need to leave stuff in God's lap. <laughs> you have to figure something out, God, because I don't know the answer. That conversation happened several times. Every time I came to church, oh, Lord, when am I going to get this done? <laughs> then suddenly, I came in one Sunday morning, and the office was spectacularly clean. Someone had come in and straightened it all up, put stuff away, got rid of stuff we didn't need, and I was praising Jesus. Yes, the office is fixed. <laughs> you see, I hadn't told anyone about my conversation with God. I hadn't asked anyone if they would clean it up for me. But God, in his grace to me, his absolutely free loving kindness, sent Mama and Papa Peterson to answer my prayer. They had snuck in, so to speak, and did for me what I could not do myself. They were God's grace to me. And I was so grateful to my Heavenly Father and to the Petersons. So I sent the Petersons a thank you note, and it started with, Thank you, thank you, thank you! Oh, thank you! <laughs> One little thank you was not enough to express my gratitude for them, for them being God's grace to me. You see, receiving and recognizing God's grace will always produce gratitude in our hearts. And gratitude in our hearts will always produce thanksgiving in our mouth. According to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, gratitude is defined 
as an emotion of the heart, excited by a favor or benefit received. I was excited about my benefit received. (laughs) A sentiment of kindness or goodwill towards a benefactor. Thankfulness. Gratitude is an agreeable emotion consisting in or accompanied with goodwill to the benefactor, to the person doing us good, and a disposition to make suitable return of benefits or services, or when no return can be made, with a desire to see the benefactor prosperous and happy. I wanted them to be blessed. You blessed me. You were God's answer to me. Thank you so much. I want to give you something. I want to do something for you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) When we are grateful, thank you is the word that comes out of our mouth. True gratitude wants to bless the giver of the favor or the benefit given. In other words, when we recognize God's unmerited favor to us, our hearts want to bless him, to thank him, to worship him, to do him good, and to tell others about all of his goodness to us. Just this past week, my daughter Sarah had one of those grace, gratitude, and thanksgiving moments, and she posted it on her Facebook page. I'm going to read her post for you. It says this, Look what I found! I thought it had accidentally been thrown out a few years ago when we cleaned out the basement. I cried when we went to Frankenmuth in Michigan, because they are everywhere, and I wanted the one Grandma had. Today I was decorating and prayed that if it was still here, that God would help me find it. I walked down to the basement, and I stood there, and I prayed again, hoping that small voice telling me that it was still here wasn't just me being hopeful. I began to look through boxes. I said, show me, Lord, where is it? I looked over, and in the very back corner of a top shelf, there was a small box. I went over and slowly opened it. There it was! I almost cried! It's not about the trendy vintage tree. It says 1974 on the bottom, and I think that makes me vintage now, too. (laughs) In fact, I think these trees are ugly. Laugh out loud. But it's about remembering Grandma and Grandpa, and all of the very spoiled and undeserved Christmases, surrounded by food and family and love and presents. Another example that God cares about even the small, ugly Christmas tree that means so very much to me. I was actually surprised to see that Sarah posted this, and I did get permission to tell it to you, (laughs) because she's usually very private about her personal life. But when she experienced and recognized God's grace as God's grace, gratitude filled her heart, which caused thanksgiving to come out of her mouth and to land on Facebook and to publicly declare the goodness of her Heavenly Father. Gratitude always wants to bless the giver of favor. Seeing and recognizing God's grace, God's goodness and kindness to us, will always bring forth gratitude in our hearts. And gratitude in our hearts will always bring forth thanksgiving in our mouth. 
we can choose to look at the hard things in our life and complain about them <laughs> or worry about them or be mad about them or be sad about them. Or we can choose to do something about them. We can choose to look for grace in the midst of them. We can choose to be thankful for the good things and the good people our Father has put into our lives. They are all our Heavenly Father's grace to us. Every good and perfect and complete gift comes down from the Father of lights. In James chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says this, Do not err, my beloved brethren, by thinking that you've earned a blessing. Valerie's translation. Do not err, my beloved. Every good gift. And the word gift there is actually giving as a noun. It is every good act, every act of good giving. Every act of good giving. That's actually what it says literally. Every act of good giving. Sometimes when we take offering, we'll say, we're going to receive your giving. It is a noun. It is something that good giving has produced. <laughs> every good gift, every good act of giving, and every perfect and complete gift, and the word there is bestowment, is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The word bestowment includes the idea of how something is given. Graciously, freely, and voluntarily. In other words, because he wants to. <laughs> Our Father wants to bless us. He wants us to see his grace and graciousness. And he wants us to remember that he never changes. He is always good. And he's always doing us good, even if we don't realize it. At the beginning of this message, I said I wanted to talk to you about grace, gratitude, and thanksgiving, and how one of these can facilitate the production of the others. And I think I've made a case that seeing God's grace in our lives will facilitate gratitude, and that gratitude will bring forth thanksgiving. But we can also choose to start with thanksgiving and work backwards, so to speak. <laughs> when things are hard, we don't always feel thankful. And it is easier to whine and complain than it is to praise God. But it's actually very important that when we don't feel thankful, that we purposely practice thanksgiving and declare our Father's goodness out of our mouth. Because thanksgiving is a form of spiritual warfare. For example, years ago, the Lord sent me to work at Motorola. That was a long time ago. And he told me that I would meet my husband there. But I had to get up at 2 a.m. in the morning in order to be at work by 4 a.m. in the morning. Now, I knew God sent me there. I knew that God had provided the job for me to be able to take care of my family. But at 2 a.m. in the morning, nothing in my flesh wants to get up. <laughs> it was too hard. It was too crazy. Who was crazy enough to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, drive an hour to work, be there a half hour early just to make sure that you're never late, and then work a 12-hour shift? My flesh had all kinds of really good excuses. Well, I should not have to put up with that crazy schedule. Every morning for about a week, I thought, I should just quit. This is nuts. This is way too hard. <laughs> Finally, one morning, the Holy Spirit said to me, you better start praising God for that job. Because this is where you're supposed to be. <laughs> this is God's will for your life. 
you better let praise come out of your mouth. So I did. <laughs> I started thanking God for that job. I thanked him for the overtime. I thanked him that there was lots of overtime. I thanked him for giving me the job. I thanked him that he was using that job to meet my family's needs. I thanked him for the car that took me to that job. I thanked him that the job enabled me to get a new car so that I could go to that job. I thanked him every which way I could think of regarding that job. And guess what? The war with my body to get out of bed stopped. The war with my fleshly thoughts of quitting stopped. The war with Satan trying to get me off track stopped. My thanksgiving to God was an act of faith in my father's goodness and it trounced my unbelief and my flesh. I knew my father gave me that job and I knew he would use it to bring my husband into my life. Giving thanks for what we already have will ignite gratitude in your heart and faith in our Father's goodness. Giving thanks, even without feeling thankful when we start, will lead our hearts into gratitude, which leads us into faith, which leads us into receiving even more of our Father's grace. Thanksgiving is the language of faith. When we believe, we receive, when we pray, thanksgiving to God is our response for his grace. It's the language of faith. When we believe we receive God's grace, thanksgiving and gratitude will fill both our hearts and our mouths. <laughs> and we can choose to thank God even before we see the manifestation of what we have believed for. One of the instructors at Karis, his name is Barry Bennett, and one of his stories includes about when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He did his homework. He studied the scriptures. He saw in the scripture, God wants us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He wants us to speak with other tongues. This is a great gift. So he went to somebody he knew, and he prayed to be baptized and to receive his prayer language. And he didn't speak in tongues. But that didn't stop him. You see, he was confident that God was good to his word. God says, if you ask, you will receive. I give it to you. So all day long, he's like, thank you for my prayer language. Thank you that I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. Didn't feel any different. Thank you that I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for my prayer language. All day long. Not because he was trying to make something happen. Because he really believed he received when he prayed. He knew God is faithful. God will not fail. You ask, you receive. And so he just continued to thank God the whole day long. And by the end of the day, he was praising God in other tongues. Because he knew he had it. He wasn't listening to his flesh, trying to figure out if, if he actually received. He knew God is faithful. Thanksgiving is the language of faith, receiving God's grace, which produces gratitude in the heart. So, whether you're in a hard place or a not-so-hard place, we need to remember that 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able, powerful, and mighty to make all grace, all of his absolutely free, loving kindness, and divine enablement to superabound towards us and in us, so that we, always having all sufficiency, which is enough to bring contentment, <laughs> in all things, may superabound to every good work. 
the more we purposely give thanks, the more we purposely look for his hand of grace in our lives, the more grateful our hearts will be and the more our mouths will give him praise and thanksgiving. This morning, we invite you to partake of a true Thanksgiving meal, the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's grace to us personified. Scripture says that grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and it's absolutely true. It is only through the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus that we have been set free from the power and presence of sin. It is only through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection that we are able to freely receive all of God's grace, all of God's goodness, including eternal life and the very presence of God within us. Every time we partake of communion, we are proclaiming Jesus' death at the cross. Through his death, the curse has been reversed, and we have been brought into the very heart and kingdom of God's love. Every time we partake of communion, we can experience by faith the very power of Jesus' redemptive work released into our bodies and into our lives, all by grace. The communion is an awesome time to praise God for all of his goodness in our lives. In John chapter 6, verses 54 through 58, in the Passion Translation, it says this, Eternal life comes from the one who eats my body and drinks my blood, and I will raise him up in the last day. For my body is real food for your spirit, and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my body and drinks my blood lives in me, and I live in him. The Father of life sent me, and he is my life. In the same way, the one who feeds upon me, I will become his life. I am not like the bread your ancestors ate and later died. I am the living bread that comes from heaven. Eat this bread, and you will live forever. That is his body, broken for us, to bring us all of God's grace. In Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3, it says this, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the Father of the Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. And this is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself, even before he laid the foundations of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with the Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood. The total cancellation of our sins, all because of the cascading riches of his grace. This super abundant grace 
is already powerfully working in us, releasing within us all the forms of wisdom and practical understanding. It is by his blood we celebrate and give thanksgiving. Amen. Father, sometimes we forget to look around and see that you have graced us with people and friends and neighbors. You have graced us everywhere we look. If we will look, we will see your hand of grace in there. Sometimes the grace is in us to give to those people who are in hard places and just hard people. (laughs) But you call us, Father God, to know who you have made us to be, how you have empowered us, all by grace, all by love, so that we can give you that same grace and that same love away. Father God, we thank you for all the many blessings. We thank you for our our church body, Father God. We thank you for our missionaries. We thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. Father God, we thank you that you let us participate with you. We thank you that you do tint over us and carry us and keep us and guard us and love us and provide for us. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for everything. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.